Hello and welcome to How to Win Friends and Influenza, a podcast all about medicine with me, your host, Lily. This episode, we're talking about dermatology, but we'll start off with a deep, soulful chat about traumatic childhood experiences, which is everyone's favorite topic. Actually, it's no one's favorite topic, but it's very interesting because everyone has such a varied experience. For some, the obligatory traumatic experience might be getting a pee stuck up your nose or maybe dropping your ice cream on the sidewalk. For some, it might be something even worse, like having your favorite pet run over by an ice cream truck and then becoming cold and emotionally distant and not being able to open up to anyone and having a heart of stone as an adult. But for me, my traumatic childhood experiences always seem to involve my face which by the way has no relation to why I run a podcast and not a movie series. But let me tell you about my childhood trauma. I fell off a seesaw and hit my face on the ground. I missed a jump on the monkey bars and had not learned to fly yet and hit my face on the ground. I also attempted to unsuccessfully perform a handstand and hit my face on the ground. And another time a friend and I were doing a pretend boxing match and this time I did not hit my face on the ground but I did get punched in the face and one of my teeth fell out. So you know who you are, we're not friends anymore. Just kidding, I'll see you at the party on Saturday. But my advice there is if you or any of your friends like reading books about mice with swords who like going on warlike crusades, do not try to replicate that in the schoolyard. But as you can see, my face and I have gone through a lot of good times, especially as a kid. But what was important is that my beautiful skin was always there to protect me throughout all of this. And that's because skin is a really amazing functional organ which offers so many things. It's protection, it makes us look really good so that we don't look like those strange muscle men in Netta's anatomy books because people with no skin only look cool in pictures. So for some of us it's got this really strong, wonderfully cosmetic function, but with every good organ there's a possibility for things to go wrong. And so there's a quote that everything you love will reject you or die. But if I could change that to a dermatological standpoint, everything you love can develop eczema or require hydrocortisone cream or die from toxic epidermal necrolysis. And so on that very uplifting note, I'd like to introduce Dr. Pablo on the show to talk about dermatology. Welcome. Hi, hello, how are you? Good, thank you. We're so happy to have you on the show because I know that you're a busy professor of dermatology, traveling around, doing lots of things, healing people's skin. So how did you get into this exciting specialty? Oh, and that's a very, very good question and complex to, to, to answer. When I was in medical school in Spain, so that's my, my accent, I, I grew up and did my training in Spain, I was attracted by different specialties. I can deny that my medical experience as a student brought me to decide about dermatology, very accessible. You could be in the specialty that you didn't, you don't need to stop to do anything else. You could do surgery, you could do medical things, you could do research, it's all very close. And I was amazed by the dermatologist in my hospital, Hospital La Princesa in Madrid. But I would like it, I see you, I like the technical mm-hmm. thing. I was, I've researched at that stage working in a biochemistry lab and I thought that with humans, when you're in ICU, you control everything, so that's another. And even I thought about hematology. And in Spain, the system to select a specialty is that you have a national exam. And yes, you get a score. The first person can choose just image any specialty in the whole country. Wow. And the second, well, everything except the first one. <laughs> yeah. And then you go. So I have my list of specialties mm-hmm. and I said, well, first, I wanted to put hematology, I have to confess, <laughs> second dermatology, and third ICU in specific hospitals. Yep. 
I couldn't get the hematology one, but I got the dermatology one. Excellent. So I got into dermatology and it has been a fantastic run since then. Excellent. And it's really interesting that you say you're interested in ICU because a lot of people might not think dermatology and critical care have anything in common, but dermatology has its own emergencies, doesn't it? Yeah, so dermatology is this unknown specialty. And it's interesting because the, the amount of teaching that we provide or people can get in Australia is very minimal. But in many countries and continental Europe in particular, there's a lot of dermatology because it's visible. Everybody can see dermatology and we have a lot of emergencies. Coming from just an insect bite to blister that could be secondary to insect bite, but could mm -hmm. be a blistering disease and could be an autoimmune disease to what you said before, TN, toxic epidermal necrolysis that can kill a patient. So drug reactions is another common thing. There's tons of things that requires a dermatology assessment. Yeah, so maybe it ended up really, really well for you because Hematology, you know, no one can see blood that's inside your body, but dermatology, it's skin, it's on the outside. It makes a big difference to people's lives. Yes, so really uh, and that's, that's another important factor that I learned later. So I get into medicine and got into, into dermatology thinking about the science. But one of the important things in dermatology is the person. And that has changed my life and shaped my life as a dermatologist, thinking about the quality of life and how not having not just diseases that kill you, diseases that make your life impossible. Mm. And dermatology in that regard is quite high. The impact in the life of patients, dermatology diseases they have, is such an amazing impact. And it's not that much considered because usually they don't die. And I have many, many physicians that they say, or oh, our specialty, whatever it is, so mm. important because we <laughs> save lives. You don't have any issue. It's true we have a relaxed life in that regard. Mm. Our patients, they don't die but you don't know how many of them they wish to be there. And that's that's something that impacts a lot as soon as you dig a little bit in what's the impact of skin diseases in the life of patients. Yeah, because quality of life is another very important aspect of life, not just being alive. Yes, uh, adding, adding years to life like the oncologists were mm. doing in the past is something that now, well, we know that is not important. We need to at life to years. And in dermatology, we could see, and oncology, we have our oncodermatology clinic here at Westmead Hospital, and we can see how patients, they will not use an oncology patient just because of the cutaneous side effects. Mm -hmm. And there was, for me, one of the most dramatic experience was a lady, metastatic melanoma, taking a medication that makes you photosensitive. Right. So couldn't just stay out even a few minutes with the friends or with the family. That was so bad that at the end she said, I'm not taking this medication anymore, even though the medication was controlling the melanoma. Mm -hmm. So yes, very important, adding life to years instead of years to life. Yeah. And I have to say that coming from someone with a beautiful Spanish accent saying adding life to years just sounds so poetic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I've noticed something interesting with um, another important organ, so eyes. Optometrists tend to wear glasses and ophthalmologists tend to be, um, at least the ones I've met, have been really interested in cameras and photography and that's sort of driven them into the specialty. Now, a lot of dermatologists seem to have really excellent skin, so I wonder, do they get driven into dermatology because they have beautiful skin themselves or do they have some underlying condition of their own that drives them to be interested or is it just unrelated, just anyone could be interested in dermatology? Anybody could be interested in dermatology, but I'm not gonna... Yes, you could see that many many of the dermatologists, they have some small skin diseases. Some eczema is common, rarely psoriasis, vitiligo, some people. But the main thing is that once you do dermatology, mm -hmm. you learn how to treat skin well. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that hasn't 
been said enough and it's so important in, in Australia more than in, than in Spain. In Spain we have this olive skin so we are a little bit protected. People in Moisesia they're okay but all the Caucasians white skin what they should be doing is using sunscreens every day and just using sunscreens your skin is so beautiful. It's not that it makes you better but it won't age. Most of the aging that we think that is all the wrinkling and all these changes they're not age. It's just sun exposure. That's something that you learn as a dermatologist. You get embedded in that. You see so many skin cancers that finally most dermatologists, they use sunscreens. And there's a story about an Australian dermatologist that had severe osteoporosis because never took the vitamin D <laughs> was using high uh, SPF sunscreen. Right. <laughs> wow. And it's interesting that we focus so much on things like... Uh, x-rays, radiation, smoking, tobacco, all this kind of stuff. But there is a silent killer among us, which is that very thing which gives us vitamin D in life. And, you know, the sun is evil to some extent. You know, we need a bit of sun. Yes. But there are so many little lifestyle things that people yeah, just need no, to be aware of. And that's, that's what has changed the amount of skin cancer that we see in the, yeah. in the world and in Australia in particular. It's so good to be outdoors. But there are skin types that should be outdoors all the time and mm. people with, with we classify skin color in six types, the Fitzpatrick type from type one that is white skin to type six that is completely dark, black as we used to say black skin. And and two great people. Yes, people with skin types four, five, six, they should be out in the sun. They cannot make enough vitamin D just with the normal modern lifestyle. But people with with phototypes one and two, they shouldn't be at all be out in the sun. It's been said that 10 minutes out in the sun, three times a week is enough vitamin D. And people know, but it's good on the other hand to be outdoors. And this is an interesting thing that happens. The, the same, the UV light that, that, that uh, when they hit melanocytes, melan uh, sorry, keratinocytes, the keratinocytes, they release a hormone to induce pigmentation to get tan. And that molecule, before its release, is divided in three. One of those is an endorphin. So we know now that getting out in the sun releases endorphins and makes you addictive. Ah. Okay. Why is that? Some people have been asking, why we have an addicting factor for the sun? Well, we need to understand that when we commence as a human race, yeah. probably we were all black. So the black humans or pre-humans, I can't say the right biologic word in English, <laughs> but the pre-humans, they were mm. black skin. So nature knew that they needed to keep these people, these, these humanoids out in the sun and the only way is to make them feel right. better. So yes, this, that's now it's a problem. Now that we have people with fair skin that they shouldn't be, in any case, we know that getting out in the sun produce endorphins. Very interesting. Yeah, so evolution strikes again. Yes. <laughs> and an argument in favor of how important dermatology is is just how, for example, sun exposure is there all the time. So I uh, recently read a book called The Barefoot Investor. I don't get any money from that book, but it's a book about investing and things like that. All exciting things, you know, money, you need that. And in that book, um, the author talks about how he lost his home in a bushfire and when he was thinking about what new furniture he should get. He found the most important thing in his life was a pillow because you spend eight hours a night 
sleeping on your pillow. It's something just like a computer. You don't want a laggy computer. It's something you spend so much time with. And so dermatology is kind of similar because you spend so much time in the sun, maybe 12 hours of daylight exposure, and it's something that's silently there all the time affecting your life. It Maybe it affects your life more than, I don't know, if you have intermittent heart palpitations or something. It's just something always there. So we focus a lot on diet and exercise and smoking. They're all important. Um, well, in the case of smoking, stop, they're important, but also sun exposure and dermatology. Yes. So skin cancer is definitely a big part of dermatology. That's what a lot of people think of, cutting out moles, doing mole checks. What about other diseases? What about eczema or uh, anything else you can yeah, think of? Yeah, so the, the main thing is in Australia, because of the Caucasian population, again, skin cancer is almost 70% of the work that we do here. But if you go to any other countries, and talking about Europe, that is where I have more experience, will be no more than 20%. Right. In most countries, because in Spain, we will have people with olive skin, not that much skin cancer. In Germany, they will have fair skin, but there's no much sun. So right. again, skin cancer wouldn't be good or a big part of the job. It's inflammatory autoimmune conditions and sometimes infections, the, what will be the bulk of the of the dermatology and that's of course eczema very common kids people crazy and atopic eczema in particular we're having this skin that is calling for attention all the time just imagine that you're itchy mm -hmm. it is one of those symptoms that people they don't appreciate as much how can interfere until you're itchy but this dry life is is so important that now there's an epidemiological data showing that kids that they have eczema, they develop ADHD. But yeah. it's perfectly understandable. If you're scratching all the time, someone is giving you a lecture, but you need to scratch your leg. Right. They keep talking, but you need to scratch the other leg or your arm. Your attention is gone. So of course you've got an attention deficit disorder. <laughs> Cannot be any other way. But that's eczema. Psoriasis has huge impact in the life of patients. We have by the way, 29th of October, World Psoriasis Day, WHO supported. So we have a community forum here at Westmead to talk about psoriasis. And two patients, they talk about their life. And it was amazing how much having some psoriasis on the legs or on the arms could affect the life of people, how they were looking at weather forecasts so they can wear long sleeve. And if it was very hot, they will call and say, sorry, I don't feel okay today. I cannot go to your party just because they didn't go with long sleeve and mm. people see the things or wear short sleeve and people start asking about their psoriasis. So yes, eczema, psoriasis, acne, teenagers, huge impact. You know, the time that you discover that there's some gender on the other side <laughs> and then you've got a pimple on your nose. Such a disaster. <laughs> so yes, acne is another important thing. And then we have the big group of the autoimmune diseases and another group of what we call auto-inflammatory diseases. Auto-inflammatory get a lot of pus and they're ugly, like hydradenitis. And the autoimmune, you know, everybody loves them. Lupus, scleroderma, oh, yes. Yes. dermatomyositis, yes. very fancy. That we have a lot of skin in those conditions. And in countries that there's no clinical immunology, Australia is a little bit different. Those patients, they are mainly in dermatology hands. So it's quite huge specialty in that regard. Yeah, so it covers quite a span from malignancy to autoimmune and as we mentioned before even to emergency. So a little bit of everything. Yes, well, look, 20% of the reason why people that go to the GP is a skin condition. Right. And 20% of the teaching should be a skin because you you see a skin, everybody has something on their skin. 100% of the population. <laughs> in fact, acne 
should affect more or less 90% of the population. Mm -hmm. So knowing how to treat acne, what is good, what is bad, what is a myth, for example, the thing about not eating chocolate, I can tell you, you can eat chocolate. <laughs> no problem for chocolate and acne. But should be dark chocolate, sorry. The bad news is that sugar and maybe milk, or milk products, dairy products, they could be linked, not completely proven, mm. but could be linked to acne, but not the greasy part of the thing. So dark chocolate, yeah, and release serotonin, so much better. You feel better after eating chocolate and nothing to do with your acne. Yeah, and there's so much research behind it. It's not just people stirring cauldrons or testing out random cucumber creams on your skin. There is actually a lot of research behind all of that. There's a lot, and that's, that's a thing, another of the big myths in dermatology, mm. that we have 2,000 diseases, that is true, <laughs> and one cream to rule them all, that is not true. Okay, we have tons of different products, and creams is not a cream. There are tons of different vehicles, mm. how things could deliver. And this is because there's a lot of research going on. In fact, one of the most amazing things lately is that dermatology is the specialty with the highest number of biologic therapies. These monoclonal antibodies that can interfere with pathways, we have like 10 or 12 in dermatology, way more than any other specialty. Uh, more than immunology? Yes, more oh, wow. than immunology. Wow. What I'm saying, the immunologists, they could use them like yeah. any other specialty, but yes, we can treat psoriasis with seven, eight, there have been approved in Australia now, eight different biologics for that, but we can treat urticaria, that is a dermatological disease, although could be considered immunology. We could treat hydrogenated superativa. There's tons of different, there's the eczema that are coming now, many, many diseases that now we have very advanced treatments and all coming from dermatology. So there's a lot of dermatological research going on. Excellent. And again, there are so many interesting things about dermatology. Let's say if someone has kidney problems and you're trying to, or diabetes, and you're trying to prevent some long-term thing, they don't see their kidneys, they don't really feel their kidneys, and sometimes it's hard to see like you make an obvious difference. In dermatology, as you mentioned, you could be treating their symptoms like urticaria or eczema, uh, or you could be treating their quality of life, helping their appearance. So that, that aspect of it is really amazing. You could make a very sudden difference in someone's life. But also what you mentioned earlier, that there's a mix of surgery, of clinical sort of history taking, examination, and of research. It sounds like just the best of everything. Yes, uh, that's what attracted me. And as I said, the group that I work in, in as a medical student in Spain were so involved in research. And it was so good that they have this psoriasis patients you see the psoriasis, you take a biopsy, so you do the biopsy, mm. then you could take part of the biopsy, signing all the consent forms and all this, and cut it out in the small slices. Mm. You could do the immunohistochemistry, and you got these new monoclonal antibodies to find what molecules that are expressed or not expressed and whatever. And you could go the whole thing. So when, when I finished my training, I got into doing basic research and I cultured keratinocytes. So oh. I got skin, when we did surgeries, the corners, that you this healthy skin, I will take it out the, the epidermis, grow the keratinocytes, and I was doing photobiology, so irradiating with different wavelengths and seeing the effects of the light, and then using new molecules that could work as a as a photoprotective agents. All this happening with the same people in the same place. I was the one that I could do the surgery for that tumor, cut out the corners, go into the lab and I start doing cultures and getting my tests. It's such an amazing specialty.
Yeah, excellent. You don't need to outsource, say if you're the nephrologist, you don't need to outsource to the urologist. You you are the dermatological surgeon in a way. You yes. are the dermatological clinical person. Yes. Certainly now we are very specialized and I consider myself much more a medical dermatologist mm. and I deal with very complex medical conditions. And if now someone say, hey, would you cut out that something for me? I would say, yeah, I can. But I prefer that you yeah. go and see one of my colleagues Flexible, that are then. doing more surgery. Yeah. And in surgery, we have this amazing technology called most surgery for example that some people they don't know about that we don't cut out just the tumor as such we cut out just around the tumor and then we can test all the edges with histology and find out if there's any more that needs to cut out so the five millimeter margins or six millimeter margin now we can reduce to one or two and then check the borders it's quite a good thing i'm not a most surgeon but i understand <laughs> how some of my yeah. colleagues they love it and they dedicate their life to be really good in that part and in australia as i said skin cancer is quite big yes more than in any other place yeah so it sounds like we figured out the kind of person dermatology might suit someone who wants a lot of variety is interested in these kinds of conditions and maybe wants a bit of hands-on stuff who doesn't dermatology suit for example what if someone doesn't want any surgical aspect at all should they maybe reconsider dermatology if you don't like big surgery not a problem, but if you don't like even taking a punch biopsy, yes, you should consider doing something else. Dermatology, you need to do hands-on. These are very personalized mm. and direct contact with patients, and you need to get into very intimate things. Not as much in Australia, interestingly, but in Spain, we are dermatovenereologists. So mm. we sexual transmitted infections. Right. That's part of the dermatology thing in most continental Europe. and. It's interesting, sometimes to get an allergic contact eczema or an irritant contact eczema, you need to know what people they do in their lives. So you see some skin that people say, oh, you've got something bad. and But you can go and say, and how many they get admitted? And you say, hmm, do you apply something to that place? And they say, no, yeah, do you apply? What, when it happened that day, yeah, three days before you did something, and then people, they start talking about their lives, mm. and you can find out. So you use that oil, or you use that product, or you were cleaning your soap bit, that perfectly can touch right. and create this reaction. So you get to know a lot, and you need to be happy with that interpersonal interaction with the patient, because you need to ask for very fine details sometimes to understand what happened. Yes, cellulitis is a diagnosis that is made very often here in Australia, most of them, they don't have any cellulitis, <laughs> okay? And people that get admitted to Westmead, that we're called, late, but we're called, and yeah. then we find that it's a phototoxic reaction, it's oh, an allergic wow. contact eczema, many other things that, instead of antibiotics, we need to give an anti-inflammatory medication, usually prednisone, and send them home. Yes, that happens, unfortunately. Yeah, so doing a good medical side really makes a difference. So it sounds like dermatology, you need to be interested in the personal side and a little bit of procedural stuff. Yes. So what alternatives are there if someone doesn't want the whole dermatology package? For example, GP, is that a good compromise? Yes, GP is a good compromise. I think that GPs, they have too many on their plate. And, and in some countries, like in the UK, now they're getting a specialized GPs. And I know that some people here, they're doing something similar in Australia. But yes, GPs... They see, as I say, 20% of the people that come through the door, they come for, for something skin-related. So they should have a good good uh, uh, dermatology knowledge to be able to deal with mild eczema, mild psoriasis, to understand the difference between those. Tinnitus is something that happens, and recently I saw a friend that 
the baby had a tinea and they were being treated with topical steroids because it was difficult to understand that it's just young. And then you ask, you've got pets? And they say, yes. And any of the pets had something on the hair? And they say, yeah, the three months or two months ago, we need to send the pet. Well, lucky they've got you as a friend. <laughs> yes. So what I'm saying is that those basic information is important, that you know the range of diseases as a GP is so basic, very, very important. Okay, excellent. And what about something like immunology or rheumatology? Are they also things that might appeal to someone who's got a little bit of curiosity about dermatology? Yes. So, uh, as I said, I'm not used to immunology as a clinical specialty, mm. except here in Australia. In Spain, it's more a lab specialty. Right. But certainly, if the immunologists they want to deal with, and they do, with things like lupus or scleroderma, not all the manifestations on the skin, and that's the other thing, are immunologic related. So. Red face, yes. Acute lupus, yes. The butterfly rust, yes. Everybody says mm. rust. I don't like the word, by the way. But yes, you have that thing red on the face. But you could have the same thing if you're sunburned. You could have the same thing if you've got rosacea. So you could have the same thing even if you've got seborrheic eczema. And each of these conditions, they need different treatments. So just because you have your red face, even if you've got a positive ANAs, doesn't make you a lupus patient. Right. So understanding this difference is important. So what I'm, I'm sad a little bit about the Australian, and I hope that we can help to fix this, is that the amount of teaching in, in faculties of medicine and dermatology is very minimal. They say that the average number of lectures in Australia is three. Wow. And the average number of clinics that medical students, they go to see patients with dermatologists is zero. And after medical degree, there's no more training in dermatology. We struggle even to train dermatology registrars. We cannot train GP registrars or immunology or rheumatology registrars. And rheumatology, immunology, they have a lot related to the skin and they should be really aware of the skin diseases. So yes, we need to change a little bit yeah. and, and there should be some, some more global view of how dermatology is important. We see a skin all the time. It's amazing for some patients that get admitted and then we, they call us because something has appeared on the skin and when we talk to the patient, no, it's been three months. <laughs> so they went through ED and, and everybody said, skin okay? How is that possible? Well, look, as you said, you cannot see the liver or the kidneys, mm. but look like the doctors, they're trying to see the liver <laughs> of the kidneys and they don't see the skin. <laughs> and we need to see the skin. And for melanoma will be important that everybody look at the skin because every time that you put your stethoscope and you check yeah. something, every time that you look for a reflexes and you uncover the skin, the, sorry, the legs or the arms or whatever, you're seeing the skin. Take a look. There could be a mole and that mole may need some treatment. And melanoma is still a killer in Australia. Yeah, so maybe we're not being superficial enough. Maybe we should be more superficial. Yes, <laughs> we should be more superficial. Right. That's good. <laughs> and you mentioned you don't like the word rash. What's yes. the reason for that? Well, uh, we don't have a word like that in Spain mm. with that broad sense or meaning. Mm. I found that people, they have a little bit on the nail and, they have, and they say I have a rash. And you've got people that they have a cutaneous drug reaction that are red from head to right. toe, they're almost erythodermic, and they say, I have a patient with a rash. So when people, they say, I have a rash, or I see a patient with a rash, I don't know anything. It's like, I have seen someone with a skin. Yes, I know. Everybody has skin, so it's not helpful. <laughs> Some language in dermatology will be important. So when people, they say the, the red face, as a red rash, yes, but red could be anything. Eczema is red. Psoriasis is red, so mm -hmm. getting a little bit more descriptive will be good. 
So if it's localized or if generalized, uh, exanthem is a word that we like in, in dermatology. If it's just a single lesion, it could be a papule or a macule. Or we need to be a little bit better with the language yeah. because RAS is too confusing. Too confusing. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, so a lot of terminology. So people say that when you go to medical school, you're really learning a couple of things. One is a whole new language, a whole new terminology lexicon. So on your first day when you go to be a doctor, you just have to remember all this terminology and to bring a pen and that those are the two things you need yes. and dermatology seems like a step up you you learn yes. even more words macules yes. papules all these you need a new things. language and, and it comes from not having photography now that we have photography we're getting lazy we used to have in dermatology like 16 different types of scales mm, wow. now we don't say anything well we use maybe psoriatic eczema pityriasiform there are very few, but we used to describe all these different types of... Because we couldn't take a photo. Now yeah. we take photos. The only thing with the photos is that you need to add another thing that is important in dermatology that people, they don't think. It's not only visual, you need to touch the skin. Yes. Touch is such an important tool for us. The problem is with the new era of not touching anybody because everything could be seen as not the appropriate touch. <laughs> it's getting a little bit of a problem. And for Latin people, and I'm from Spain, Yes, we touch everybody, we kiss everybody, we hug everybody. We don't have free hugs because we hug everybody <laughs> and you receive hugs every day. So. It's already free. <laughs> yes, it's already free. So, yes, in the Anglo-Saxon world, that means that for Latin people like me, we need to readjust a little and be a little bit more contained. But unfortunately, in the skin, we need to feel because you can feel that things are infiltrated or mm. they're soft or they're hard. Skin cancer, they feel different from an inflammatory nodule. So you could have a cyst, and that's different from a from a sarcoma that could be growing on your skin. So touching is very, very important as another tool that we use in dermatology. Actinic keratosis is so common. You could try to see them on the face, but if you touch the face, you feel a lot of them. It's so nice how our fingers can detect these tiny, tiny lesions. And then you know, you're touching the face of someone, you're touching the cheeks and you say, oh, you're full with actinic keratosis, we need to do this treatment. But someone else could be only just one and you're touching the breast mm -hmm. and everything's okay, so you can freeze that one, you don't need to do much. And actinic keratosis, just for everybody, is the first step of skin cancer, so we need to be careful with those. Yeah, and it's very common as well. Yeah, so dermatology sounds extremely interesting. It's so sensual, I suppose. It's got a visual and a palpable aspect to it. So definitely people need to be comfortable with doing this if they want to do a really good job in dermatology. Now we talked about how, you know, a lawsuit could ruin things, you know, too much touching in the world, all this kind of stuff. What are the downsides of dermatology or the limitations that you've found? Well, most people, they think that we are not treating important diseases. And I'm not going to deny that the interface between cosmetic and dermatology is tricky one. I even hear physicians that they say that psoriasis is a cosmetic disease and that's something that makes you like a second level doctor and some people they, they don't think that dermatology is that, that important because we are not treating important diseases taking into account diseases that kill people. And just for the listeners, there's a lot of air quotations going on here. So obviously, these are not what we really think. Dermatologists are very important. <laughs> yes, no, well, that's, that's the thing. Dermatology is so central, as you said before, about mm. everybody. And, and if there's good knowledge about dermatology in the society, you could see how efficient dermatologists could be in treating many small things and big things and getting good outcomes. But if not, things get very blurry. So in a way, some dermatologists, what they miss is that they're not important enough. 
that people they don't think that they're doctors right. just because they're just dermatologists and we have all this cosmetic part that yes of course blurs the thing and some of our colleagues they prefer the cosmetic part and we are not going to deny there's money in it and people they go for the money that's a big change compared to Spain in Spain people they do medicine just because they want to care for people there's no money in medicine mm. at any stage most, most of the medical work is in public hospitals and in the whole health system is public so you work as a GP and you work for the state and you work as a specialist and you work for the state so there's no there's no big private sector right whereas here well, you here can is, go public or yes, private most Hospital of the people they go private yes. and you could make a lot of money and if you do a little bit of lasers and you do a little bit of of cosmetics then you make more money and some people they get distracted yeah. and for me it's it's something that contaminates dermatology and makes as a downside but otherwise, I think it's fantastic. You need to, if you want, you can learn physics. Now that we're talking about lasers, mm. not only UV light, you need to understand UV light and how it interacts with the skin. To be good to manage lasers, and many of the lasers could be medical, not just cosmetic lasers, you need to understand light properly and all the spectrum from the UV to the visible light to the infrared. And you need to understand how it interacts with the, with the different chromophores. Uh, molecules that absorb the energy. Mm. So yes, you've got physics, you've got chemistry, you need to know about permeability, how things they can go through or not, what are lipophilic or hydrophilic or how the hell a big molecule could go or how other they cannot go through the skin. You, you've got a lot of topics. It's very interesting. You could be learning dermatology mm. your whole life. There's always something new. <laughs> Definitely real doctors. There's a lot of knowledge behind it. And the other thing that adds to that is just like ophthalmology, dermatology has that reputation for being very, very competitive, taking in few trainees. Is this true? Yes, that's that's very true. In, in Spain, it's very competitive. So usually there's 2,000, used to be 2,000, I think that now it's close to 5,000 new registrars every year coming into the system mm -hmm. for a 44 million country, double the size of Australia, mm. is, it's a huge number. Only in dermatology every year they get 70 to 80 new registrars and yet yeah, they finish by number 500, 250. So it's high mm. demanded, but you could get this 70. In Australia, we don't have more than 10 probably Wow. when we should be having probably close to 70 because the amount of skin cancer yes. is so huge so we have very few and of course they're extremely competitive people they need to do a lot of different jobs working in dermatology gaining dermatology experience working in research working in clinics so finally they can build some curriculum at the time of the interviews and presenting to the college extremely extremely competitive so many people they come to ask me what to do and they say have a plan b and they say no i want to get into the program i said yeah 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 have a plan b yeah because the plan b is as important as trying to get into the program it's extremely competitive okay and that's very realistic advice as well yes yeah. no no look I'm, I'm always so sad for people that they did get a lot of time and i know that not everybody can make it yeah and we mentioned earlier that students have a very limited experience of dermatology which is a bit strange because you know skin is everywhere there should be lots of opportunities so if a student is interested in dermatology what should they do to get exposure or experience yes well always commence with the university and find out who are the professor or whatever associate professor in the in the in the uh, discipline and try to get in contact with them of course going to public hospital will be easier but if they have uh, any friend or any gp friend that knows a dermatologist maybe going to the private practice is possible 
Not every private practice dermatologist is keen on that. We're trying to change, and the College of Dermatology is trying to change that, but certainly it's just getting a, a someone that could have an interest. And I know that there are dermatologists, even in rural areas, that are happy to have students around and they're seeing what, what the dermatology job is. So that's not a problem. At Westmead, we, we have a rotation, but we are having the Westmead students and the NEP and hospital mm. students because we are so short in, in dermatology in the in the public system so we're quite crowded but yes always if someone comes from our elective times and things and there's an opportunity yep national international we're happy to have students here excellent so just show interest and beyond medical school if someone's thinking about doing dermatology as a specialty what's the rough training pathway like what sort of so college is it? certainly once you finish your residency interesting and residency then you will spend most people, if you're good, you could just get into the training program after residency. That's unusual, but could get. You will have one or two years of working in some dermatology thing. After that, you will get into the program. The training program is four years now. Intense rotating is a state-based program. So that means that every year you may be in different hospitals okay. doing different things. And then the first year you have a heavy, difficult exam vivas and britons and all this and after that yes you're a fellow and then you can do whatever excellent so we just went through the whole dermatology pathway in about one minute <laughs> sounds very exciting all right and let's end up just by talking about the patients a little so do you tend to see the same patients over and over again or is it new presentations acute every time so there's both things so we have a lot of chronic disease and that's the reason that some people they get a little bit off saying that dermatology we cannot cure anything and when people, they come in that way, I say, well, hypertension, you cannot cure, diabetes, you cannot cure, renal failure, heart failure, yeah, you, you name it. It's difficult to cure some of these chronic diseases, and we have a lot. The main difference is that these are visible. And basically, they're more exposed to get even wrong treatments, because my friend, my neighbor, whatever, is telling me that this cream, this whatever, could help. Yeah, so huge impact. But yes, we have these chronic patients that they come to see us and we establish good relationships. But you need to love chronic diseases and be okay looking at the skin all the time and mm -hmm. touching that skin. But then we have acute things and things that are going to finish. Acne, we can solve acne. In 80% of the cases, we have good treatments, retinoids. They work more fantastically. They can solve the disease. And now with certain psoriasis, with the biologics, we're getting fantastic results. And acute things like acute eczema, as I said, uh, insect bites or any any trauma thing or, yeah, there's a number of those acute things. But yes, we're piling up. And in Australia, the main thing that people, they pile up their chronic sun damage patients. They start to develop cancers. And even though we talk about the sun protection, they keep coming. Right. And some of my colleagues, they have their clinics almost closed because of the amount of skin cancer that they're seeing. The every every month or two months they need to cut out something in the same person. So it's, it's, it's that part, a big part of the of the specialty. But yes, we have a lot of acute things, drug reactions all the time. Westmead is one of our things. Skin drug reactions, they happen many, many times. Okay, and if you see something particularly confronting or disfiguring or just a very, very sad story, what's the best way you found to cope with it? You might get some really disturbing visuals. Yes, oh. We, some of our photos, nobody wants to look at them. <laughs> no, no, it's, it could be very confronting as a specialty. But I think that when you're working all these years, finally you get more used to it. It's not a big thing. For us, seeing from 
shocking skin cancers that are eating half the face to psoriasis that is covering 80% of the body. All those things you get used during your training. And finally, you, you work with the patient. You just talk to them and, and you try to understand their life and you try to do the best for them as much as you can. Excellent. So it's been a really excellent talk with you. Let's end on a really positive note. What do you think is the best part of your job? What do you love most about it? I think that it's my patient relationship. You know, chronic patients, if you love that, and I say that I love working with my patients, it's so good, so good. It gives you, at the end, you're exhausted. Working with patients exhausts you at the end, but have such a good feeling, such a good feeling that you have helped people, and you can do it. You always help people. Excellent. So it's been wonderful talking to you. I think what we've learned from here is a couple of things that we should all do dermatology. Dermatology <laughs> is important and amazing. We should all wear sunscreen. We want to protect our beautiful skin, reduce the damage to it. And uh, I think um, we've got a really, really good view of what dermatology is, the training behind it and the sort of work it involves. So thank you so much for your time, Dr. No, Pablo. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. And so dermatologists will say wear sunscreen. As a podcast host, I will say listen to podcasts. Thank you. And we'll see you all in the next episode.